Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. This is Bill. I currently reside in Central Florida, but at the time of this sighting, I was living in my hometown in Northern Kentucky. Back in the early 80s, early to mid 80s, I would say, myself, my dad, who has since passed, and several of my friends were standing out in the front yard of my grandparents' house which at the time I was staying with my grandparents, we were overlooking this uh, pasture that butted up to the property that my grandparents had in the housing development where they lived. Several of us were standing there and we looked over into the pasture, which was um, part of a a big ranch owned by a well-known family in my hometown. We looked and there was something floating across the pasture, shining a light down on the pasture. And when we first saw it, it had to be, oh, probably a a quarter mile away. But then it continued to come towards us. When it finally got the closest it was going to be, it was approximately 200 feet away about 150 feet in the air. Now I know, you know, some of you are thinking, it's hard to determine distance and size at that range or when something's up in the air. But to that, I kind of add a, another dimension to the identification process in that it was shining a light down onto the pasture itself. The pasture, the, the light itself the, that was shining on the pasture was circular once it hit the ground. If the, if the object had been farther away um, or if it had been, uh, um, you know, shining a light down at an angle, then of course it would not, the light itself would not be circular. It would be more oblong. And then of course the, the greater the angle the more oblong the spotlight would be. But it was, uh, by the time it was about 200 feet away, there was absolutely no noise whatsoever. And if it had been a helicopter, 
uh, shining down the light, we obviously would have heard it. Now, of course, I under- I know that, that, that people say that there are silent helicopters and things of that nature, and I understand that, but this could not have been a helicopter because the lights from the, the barn uh, on the ranch kind of backlit behind the object itself, and the object was approximately 30 feet across. It was flat on the bottom and the light was coming out of the bottom and it was somewhat dome shaped on the top with maybe a a combination of dome shaped slightly triangular shaped or or pyramid type shape across the top kind of hard to describe but that's the best way I can describe it is as a a combination of uh, the top part of a dome with slight triangular features but it continued to shine the light down various places in the pasture itself. Quite often there would be uh, the, the family's herd of cows that would be out in this pasture using it as grazeland. But at this point, I don't believe there were any cows out there at the time. So I, we were all looking at it. We, we were talking in the front yard, and then we all noticed it about the same time. And then we're all looking at each other like, what the heck is this? We really had no idea. And as it got closer, we're, we're noticing again, we all made the comment to each other that it was not making sound. And it was getting closer. So it stopped at about the 200-foot mark, about 150 feet in the air and still shining this light down on the pasture. This whole sighting probably took a good, oh, three to four minutes uh, from the time that we saw it first shining the light down about a quarter mile away till it got to the closest that it actually was. And then shortly thereafter, it started heading off back towards the edge of the property of the ranch in the opposite direction of where we were. So eventually, we're all all standing there transfixed, and eventually it just ends up going over a hill, continually shining this light down. It eventually went over this hill and out of sight. After it was all said and done, again, all of us are standing there going, what the heck was that? Now, I have to understand, in northern Kentucky, that's an area of the, of the country where it's not unusual to have um, sightings of unidentified objects in the air. It's almost, it's not quite, I'd say, commonplace, but it's enough to where folks, you know, it doesn't surprise folks when we get reports of UFOs, or unidentified objects, things of that nature, and it all just kind of, you know, we weren't shocked by it, but we were all scratching our heads trying to figure out what it was. To this day, I still have no idea what it was. We looked, you know, being a, uh, a person who is interested in sightings of this nature, we all looked for potential articles in the hometown newspaper of cattle mutilations, things like that, after this sighting, none of us saw anything. So 
either there were none or it was kept hush-hush. That we're uncertain of. But I do know what I saw and everyone that was with me that day. Unfortunately, I can't ask my dad anything else about it since he's no longer with us. But I have to say that while I wasn't afraid of what I saw at all, it left me with the sense of wonder, like not every question in the world has been answered and we still have things we need to know or that we need to find out or we need to figure out and and move on. Thank you for listening. Take care. Hi, Ryan. This is Elena. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my story. On August 30, 2014, I woke up, went to the kitchen, had some orange juice. Finding myself wide awake, I decided to check on my truck, which was parked next door to our building. And I could do this by viewing it from a west-facing floor-to-ceiling window in our living room. I had to lay on my tummy because the shade was pulled down three-quarters of the way and the lever for pulling the shade was inconveniently located and also very squeaky when pulled. My husband was sleeping just down the hall. Again, this is San Francisco, so um, it's a small place. I didn't want to wake him up. As I laid there, checking on my truck, everything was fine. By the way, the reason I was doing this is the gate was open, um, stuck in the open position. So we were constantly worried at night about the truck getting vandalized. Truck was fine, but I found myself feeling very peaceful. It was a super dark, inky black night. It was so quiet, which is very unusual. Nothing going on except for one light. Um, kitty corner to where I was positioned in a dilapidated building. I thought it was so unusual that there were that there was one light on in this dilapidated building with nothing else going on that night or that morning. So I grabbed a set of binoculars from my husband's sail bag, which was in the living room, and decided to investigate. I didn't see anything going on in that building. And yet I stayed still because there was just something very peaceful about the morning, being wide awake in this dark morning. I turned my gaze again to the left where my truck was. I looked up in the sky and there was a bright star that started to fall. And as it did so, it started to come toward me. And this part I have to read from my blog um, will just help me um, describe it best. So, as I saw the white lights rapidly twirling downward on a diagonal trajectory in my direction, I thought a jet was falling out of control, but quickly realized with certainty that that wasn't the case because there weren't any green or red lights though I was sure the lights were fixed to an object by their pattern rotation, which slowed as it neared closer. I soon saw that the object was a giant black rectangle which had been spinning like a top on its vortex. 
the spinning stopped and it glided into a position directly in front of me at my window, straight up and down, long ways like a big black door, where it hovered above the ground. It had four round white lights, one on each corner, and was completely stable in its hovered state. The lights did not emit a beam, pulsate, or blink. The rectangle did not wobble. I don't recall hearing any sounds at all. I inspected the rectangle with my binoculars, but there was nothing to see on the surface other than the four white lights. The binoculars fogged up, so I put them down, and shortly thereafter, it slowly levitated, turned on its side, think flying carpet style, and floated off over the horizon. I ran to my computer to make a post on Facebook, and I'm so glad I did, because it served as a reliable timestamp for the duration of the episode. I know I was drinking orange juice in the kitchen at 4 a.m. because I looked at the clock, rushing to post an update on Facebook, hoping someone would look up and see the rectangle. I know the entire timeline was about 15 minutes. The next thing I did was Google what do you do when you see a UFO. At no time did I feel threatened or afraid. I felt peaceful in the quiet, dark morning, and during the, inci- during the incident, I was simply awestruck in a state of wonderment over what was occurring. On my mind were feelings of deep curiosity and gratefulness to be witnessing something so extraordinary and unexplainable. Afterward, I felt invigorated, bewildered, and determined to understand what I had seen. I've relayed this encounter to numerous friends and family and co-workers, and many wanted to know why I didn't wake my husband. The truth is that I didn't even think of it. I was completely in the moment and would not have done anything to distract myself or put the sighting in jeopardy by creating a commotion. But having had to explain this so many times, I promised myself that if there were ever to be a next time, I'd make it a priority to record by camera or video. In July 2015, I seized such a moment. I've been struggling to share those details from the 2015 incident, but I do expect to do so eventually. Thank you so much. Hi, Ryan. My name is Oscar. I live in Colorado, but the incident I'm about to talk about takes place on the road somewhere between Arizona and California. Me and my brother took a trip out there to go see some friends, and I think we only went there for, I think, that one day, and we're driving back at night, and the way the freeway is kind of set up driving back from Arizona to California is you have two lanes on one side, and then a dirt area dividing, a large dirt area dividing the lanes for the cars going the opposite way. And we're driving and it's probably around 11 o'clock at night. And my brother had fallen asleep in the car, which he was supposed to stay awake to keep me awake. But I start seeing this really bright light in the sky. And at first I thought it was a helicopter, but it started going back and forth, side to side. And the light was still facing, like, towards me. And 
I'm just paying attention to this light and I try to wake up my brother and I'm telling him, hey, like, look at this, look at this, just so I have somebody else to see it with me. Uh, But he's not waking up. He's just kind of like mumbling, telling me to leave him alone. And I'm paying attention to this light and out of nowhere, a car driving the wrong way is coming right towards me and I have to swerve really hard to the right and luckily there was no car on the right the right lane next to me and I swerve to get away and then that's when my brother wakes up and he's like are you okay are you all right Did you, were you falling asleep and I was like no there was a there was a car right in front of me like it came out of nowhere and when I turned around to see where this person was going there was no car I saw no taillights driving away in the distance I saw other cars in the other lane, you know, going the opposite way. But there was really nobody in on my side of the road, and I have no idea where that car came from. It just seemed like it came out of nowhere. But the light was no longer there in the sky, like immediately right after that. So it just left me really confused and wondering what I just saw and I still to this day I have no idea what it was Uh, my brain likes to try to rationalize it by thinking you saw a helicopter and then somebody was driving the wrong way on the side of the road but it really felt like the two were connected in some way and I'm just it sucks that my brother was asleep and didn't see it He just knows that I swerved to get out of the way. But when I swerved, I didn't see like a car pass me or anything like that. And like I said, when I looked back, there was no car driving away. So I have no idea what it was. I know that I couldn't tell for 100% sure that the light in the sky was a helicopter. And I couldn't tell that it was actually a car driving straight towards me. I just saw a bright light right in front of me and I had to swerve right after seeing the light in the sky and yeah there's still like i i just don't i don't know what it was it was just extremely bizarre and weird but yeah that's my short little incident experience whatever you want to call it Uh, i know there's not really a lot to it but thank you for taking the time to listen i really enjoy the podcast and keep doing what you do. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, y'all. Ryan Sprague here. As you all know, the Somewhere in the Skies podcast is always free to consume. But it isn't free to create. That's why I've started the Somewhere in the Skies Patreon campaign. On a monthly basis, you give what you think the show is worth. You'll be helping the show continue, grow, and to be something truly communal. And remember, there are rewards for each level of contribution, and the list is only growing. So please, help Somewhere in the Skies now by becoming a patron. To contribute and to learn more, visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support. And now, on with the show. Hello. Okay. This is going to be kind of difficult for me to do um, because I have to try to recall things. Um, There are pieces missing from my memory, but there are little things here and there that I remember. I'll tell a quick story. I'll make it short. When I was about nine years old, My family and I were living overseas in a place called American Samoa. It's in the South Pacific. Me, of course, you know, this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. Um, They call them palanges. That's what they call us white people, palanges. It's kind of like how the Hawaiians call us haoles, or uh, Mexicans call, we call me a, a gringa, you know, male gringo. Anyway, and my friend Amada, she had red hair. She was, you know, a ginger carrot top. And she had, um, really like hazel colored eyes and her little brother, Kimo, who had, um, brown hair and blue eyes. She also had a sister named Josie who looked a lot like me. She had, um, blonde hair and blue eyes. Uh, they, they, all three of them had the same mom, the same dad, but they all looked completely different from each other. Okay. Anyway, my point is, is we were at the playground in this neighborhood, and it was probably about, I don't know, close to 7 o'clock at night, and I had to be home by 7.30. So we were the only ones there. All the kids had gone inside. We were just kind of s- sitting out there. Um, we weren't sitting on, like, a swing or anything like that. There was, like, this pipe-like thing that came up out of the ground and was shaped kind of, like, well, like this, you know, it, and we were, and it was yellow and we were playing on that, you know, like sitting on it, climbing on it. And we were just talking about, I don't even know what we were talking about. We were little kids. When all of a sudden I saw this red dot, it wasn't a light. It wasn't shiny. It was almost like, like a balloon would look just, but very, very red. Um, and it was just in the sky and it looked pretty far away 
And there was an airport there. There was uh, the FAA was very close to this neighborhood. So I see this red dot in the sky. And I didn't really think anything of it. I just thought, oh, there's a balloon up there. And I pointed it out to Amada and Kimo. And they both looked at it and were like, yeah. We forgot about it. Went back to talking and playing. And all of a sudden, I noticed that this red dot had grown. It had gotten closer. And it was just hovering there. Like a giant balloon in the sky. It was weird. It wasn't moving the way a balloon should move. It wasn't stationed in the sky the way that you would expect a balloon to be. And this is on a tropical island. There's wind. This thing was not blowing around. It it was like it was literally just had an intelligence to it and it was doing its own thing. So we thought that was odd, but again, being small kids, we didn't really think too much of it. Although I kept looking at it, and I just thought, why does this thing keep getting closer and closer to us? <sighs> this went on for a good 15 minutes, and then I realized, oh gosh, you know, 7.30, I gotta get home. It was a good 10 or 15 minute walk home. Um, Amada and Kimo lived in, on the same side of the neighborhood as me, so we decided we were gonna start walking home. We start walking, and Oh, how do I explain this? It was like almost like a heaviness in the air. We felt this thing. I know I did. So I turned around and this red dot was literally hovering right over us, right over us. And at this point, you could see that it was a round three-dimensional circle solid uh, of course it had I don't even know how to explain this thing it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen but it was red it, it, it wasn't like I said it wasn't a light it wasn't shiny there was no noise it was completely quiet I do remember like, not hearing any birds or cars going by we heard absolutely dead silence when we saw this thing it scared us so bad we started to run. I mean, that was our first instinct, run. So we did. Kimo fell, um, scraped his knees all up, his hands. Actually, I fell too and skinned my hands a little bit. I don't remember Amada falling. But anyway, we got back up and we just, we hauled, excuse my French, ass. We hauled ass. We ran all the way down to where like, there was another park and tennis courts. Um, we had to turn right at the end of that street where the tennis court was to go home, well, to get to our street, which was also right. It was like a right and then a right. I'm only pointing these things out because I want you to realize I even remember which way I had to turn. I remember the tennis courts. I remember everything. By the time we got there, of course, as kids, what do we do? We run up to our friends. We start telling everybody what we saw. They laughed at us. They thought it was funny. I was completely changed by this experience. And so was Amada and Kimo. When I got home, the first person I wanted to tell was my dad. Because my dad, very spiritual man, he believes, you know, he believed in, you know, ghosts and God, and he believed in aliens, other beings on other planets. 
I was raised in a, a strict Mormon home, and Mormons believe, in essence, that God is an alien. You know, he lives on a planet, you know, it is, that's what Mormons believe. I mean, in a nutshell. They believe it, it's deeper than that, but yeah. So anyway, I tell, I decided to tell my father because I just knew he was going to believe me. Well, what does my dad say? Did it land and Superman get out? My brothers laughed about it. My mom, they, they were like, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. The FAA is right there. It's probably some kind of airplane thingy jigger. I don't know. So they just blew it off as nothing. And of course, I ended up going the rest of my life, never forgetting that experience, knowing exactly what I saw. Well, I mean, I don't know what I saw, but I knew and I know that I saw this thing. I don't know. Did I see a UFO? Did I see a giant weather balloon that could move in a way that I've never seen anything like that on this planet move like that? It could move at a rate of speed, like, so quickly that it was almost like it would disappear and reappear. It was so strange. Hey everybody, it's Rick here, and uh, just wanted to share this little story that uh, happened uh, while my wife and I were on vacation. Uh, my wife and I were actually down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in the Smoky Mountains for our five-year wedding anniversary. So let me preface this all. Let me just start off by saying that my wife and I do not drink or do drugs. I was not high when this happened. I don't drink at all. I'm completely straight edge. Uh, so I was not drunk at the time. My wife... Uh, she has drinks every once in a while, but not, you know, she just takes sips of wine. Um, I don't even think I've ever seen her finish a full glass of wine. But we had nothing to drink, nothing to smoke. We were on nothing. I hadn't even had a candy bar that day. Um, so we get to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and check in with our cabin place at around 6 p.m.-ish. Uh, it takes us about a half hour to find our cabin. We ended up in somebody's driveway. I kept calling the guy Cooter because he just sat on the back of his truck and stared at us uh, and gave us no indication that we were actually probably about to be murdered uh, by him and his entire inbred family, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so I'd say around 6.30ish we found our cabin, uh, which is a beautiful cabin. I forget the name of it now, but it was beautiful on a private road overlooking the Smokies, which... Thank you for asking. Our vacation kind of sucked because it rained the entire time. It blew. And we couldn't see anything because Smokies have their name for a reason. They have their reputation. And we couldn't see anything off in the distance. And then, of course, here we are a week afterwards and it's beautiful and sunny. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so around 7 o'clock, I'd say, 7, 7.30, we got everything settled into the house. Everything unpacked. Everything put away. I would even say it was 8 o'clock at night. And we just kind of chilling around the cabin. So we decided that we were going to stock up on groceries because if it's going to be raining all night, we're not going to be wanting to walk around downtown and checking out all the foods and whatnot down in Gatlinburg. Um, so we decided to go to what was formerly Food Lion is now Food City, uh, which is actually, I think it's in, considered in Sevierville or Pigeon Forge area. So it's, it's a distance away. It's about a half hour away, 45 minutes from where our cabin was. Um, it, it took a while to get there. So we begin the long trek out there. We pick up our groceries. And on our way there, we actually have to go through the Smoky Mountains National Reserve, where the, the Smoky Mountain, 
Smoky Mountains Park. And now, there, at this point, because it was so late after we showered and settled in, and I think we might have even had a little bit of food left in the car that we decided to heat up and eat. It was Mexican from the previous night. Um, I'd say it was closer to about 11, 11.30. Yeah, probably about 11, because I think Food Line closed at midnight. Food City closed at midnight. But uh, we decided to, you know, be those assholes that go into a store with an hour to close and shop anyway. So we're driving through again, Smoky Mountains Park, pitch black, there's no light. And because I drive like a grandpa, I was probably the last in line. There was absolutely nobody behind us and there was about four or five cars in front of us. It wasn't very busy because like I said, it was late at night and we uh, were driving along kind of minding my own business and out of my peripheral, I see lights. Now, there's nothing out of the ordinary when you're down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee or in Smoky Mountains to see lights through the trees because there are lodges and cabins and stuff that are up in in the mountains. Um, However, we were actually in the Smoky Mountain Park and they, they weren't lights coming from a cabin. It was blue lights And here's the other thing. It was... Now, when you're in the National Park, the trees go 50 to 100 feet in the air. You know, they're going up the side of a mountain. So these trees were about 100 feet in the air, 50, 100 feet in the air. And the lights were above the tree line. And I'm talking, like, directly above the tree line. And they were blue with some orangish-reddish on them. And... At first, I thought maybe it was an airplane tower. Uh, Quickly squashed that because we went through that area about two or three more times, and those lights were not in that location. Not a cabin, because there were blue and red lights, and it was above the tree line. Not a helicopter, because it was 11, 11.30 at night. Why would they be doing helicopter tours that late at night and hovering in one location? This thing was stationary. Um, And also... Not a drone. I thought maybe it was like a handheld drone for a second. Um, problem being is because in my eyesight, I saw it through the 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 uh, through the window, through the windshield, and it was probably about this big in my eyesight. Which means, if we're judging that it's about fifty to hundred feet away, up a tree in front of the tree lines, I would say that this thing was about twenty to thirty feet long. It was pretty damn big and when I saw it I said very loudly what the F is that which I think is a reasonable response I didn't censor myself then like I did now but I screamed what the F is that and my wife actually happened to be staring at it herself and didn't say anything and says I have no flippin idea also she did not censor herself I, I just censored herself. We were on a bend, so we're coming around the bend, and my wife immediately whips around to try and get a better look at it, and it wasn't there. It was gone. Completely. It was in a triangular shape. It actually looked like it would be the underside of a helicopter. That That's pretty much what it looked like. It looked like it would be the underside of a helicopter, except it wasn't a helicopter and I believe we had our windows down and I didn't hear the blah 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 of a helicopter um, and you would think it would also be blowing the trees down with how close it was to the tree line 
that's the only thing I could figure that would be stationary other than, uh, uh, you know, somebody's handheld drone. But again, why would you be out at 1130 at night in the actual Smoky Mountain Park? And, and who has a drone that, that is that big anyway? It wasn't an airplane. It wasn't an airplane because it was stationary. It did not move while we were looking at it. And we got a good 10 to 15 second look at it because, like I said, I drive like a grandfather. But yeah, it was right above the tree line, gigantic. And, and again, my wife can vouch for me. I wasn't on anything. She saw it. She wasn't on anything. And uh, again, we went through there a couple more times. Not that night because we had to get to Food City and Lord knows food is more important than UFO discoveries. But we went through there, that exact same area, a couple more times and it was not there at all. And I also saw a, an actual plane tower somewhere else located in, in the park and it had flashing red lights. This was, they weren't blinking at all. They were just blue lights in the shape of a triangle, a long triangle uh, with some orangish red mixed in. It was a crazy sight. She saw it, I saw it in the middle of the Smoky Mountains. I didn't lose any amount of time, so I wasn't abducted or anything like that. And I also looked on the news to see if maybe it was a search helicopter, maybe somebody got lost, but why would a search helicopter be so close to the road? I mean, we were on the main stretch going through Smoky Mountains. I have no explanation what it is. I'm not going to say it was an alien, but I will say that it was a UFO because I could not identify it. Hey, Ryan, it's Kyle from Oregon. Uh, submitting a story for your witness encounters. You know, this happened to me when I was in fourth grade. I'm 31 now, so it has been a while. But I, you know, this is the first time I'm hearing the story, so I'm a little, a little apprehensive, but I kind of thought you'd be the guy to tell the story to. So when I was in the fourth grade, my older brother was in middle school, and his school started about an hour before mine did. So my mom would drop him off and then we'd go sit in the parking lot until school started. And she, you know, she'd read me books or most of the... I was, I was a sucker for the Animorphs back then, so she would read, read me the Animorphs and I'd, you know, be in, in the fourth grade, I'd take a nap because I hated mornings and I still do. But hey, that's besides the point. Um, on this particular day, it had to have been later in the year, because I remember not wearing a, a jacket or anything. It had to have been around May or April or so. But we get to the school, and I had the epiphany that, holy crap, I can have this entire playground to myself for the next 45 minutes to an hour. And that being the holy grail, of all children, I was like, Mother, please, let me go play until school starts. She obliged. So I went to the playground and started doing what I was doing. It was probably tetherball, because I was a sucker for tetherball back in the day. And so I'm doing my thing, and I don't know what prompted me, but I looked up, and... There was this rectangular object in the sky, very low. Uh, it was very low. I can't stress that enough. Uh, it was just above the school, maybe about 50 feet or so above the roof line. And 
at my school, it was shaped like a U, and in the center of that U, it was a little courtyard. It was grass that had to have been, I don't know, a uh, hundred feet deep to, from looking at the edge of the concrete through the grass of the building, and maybe 50 or 60 feet side by side. And while this thing that was flying over the school was probably, it taken up about three quarters of that courtyard. Uh, like I said, it was a while ago, so judgment on size isn't that great, but I remember it being big. Not, and it was moving very slowly. I could, good enough that I could, you know, get a good look at it. And I know that this being, having happened a long time ago, that human memory is very fickle, but I, I, I can promise you that this memory is as fresh as the day it happened. And while I'm watching this thing, I can still remember it had like grates or slats going all the way from the back, bottom to the top. I don't remember seeing the sides or the bottom. Uh, I did, well, I did see a little bit of the sides, and I remember they had they had lines going. The looked like solid structure going along the sides, front to back. Uh, every every I don't know 20, 20 feet or so. They were spaced out, and there were only like four or five of them. But I remember as I'm watching this thing. Uh, I have never heard the world be so quiet before. No birds, no winds, no motor noise, not a thing. I, I don't know if it was just because I was so incredibly transfixed on what I was staring at, or if maybe that part of my memory is just kind of, you know, it being the mundane part of this event, my memory just kind of dropped off, but I, I can't. I can attest to this, though, that that thing made not a sound. It still blows me away to this day. I have no idea what it was. I can't say for certain what it was, but I can tell you for certain what it wasn't. It wasn't a plane. It wasn't, you know, mercury in retrograde. It wasn't whatever. It was a swamp gas. It wasn't anything that I can, even to this day, logically explain. It, it was unnerving. Well, it, not at the time. I thought it was just the easiest thing in the world. But now that I think about it, it's, it was almost chilling how quiet everything was. But I, I remember watching this thing for got a good couple of minutes at least as it passed over the school. And once once it got over the school, I couldn't see it anymore. So in all of my infinite wisdom. Right across from that courtyard, uh, across the pavement was a swing set, and I was like, I'm going to swing to the top of this as high as I can to see if I can see over the school and see it. And I swung as hard as my little baby legs could go, and I never saw it again. Uh, as far as, dude, I don't know, I don't know, I honestly don't. It was fascinating and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, like I, I'll never, never lose that image for as long as I draw breath. It was amazing. It kickstarted my lifelong love of UFOs. 
they will be UFO subjects. So I guess, yeah, they're kind of the same thing. But, uh, yeah, man, I really, I don't know how it made me feel, honestly. Like, now, it, I don't know. It, I want to say it was aliens because, you know, that's, it's the only thing that I can really, like, think that it could have been. There's nothing, nothing flying that we have now or, or then that looked like that. It has no wings, no tail. It was just amazing. And it's gonna stick with me, like I said, until I draw my last breath. I will see that thing in my head. Every time I hear a story, and it, it immediately like brings me back to that day of watching this gunmetal gray object float so silently and effortlessly, effortlessly above my school. Like, I can't, like, I, I'm sorry, this is just, like, now turning into me rambling, but I'm struggling to find the words, because I've, like I said, I've never shared this story before, so I don't know, I don't know what else to say, other than my mind is still unrepairably blown. Like, I have no idea. Dude, I, anyways, I'm going to wrap this rambling up. Sorry for saying words that don't make coherent sentences sometimes, but... I freaking love the show. The UFO subject kind of dropped off my radar for a little bit. And Somewhere in the Skies has definitely rekindled my my fascination and love for the subject. So thank you again for that. And I will be listening as long as you're making a show. Hey, man, thanks for, thanks for taking the time and hearing me out. I really appreciate it. You have a good one, all right? Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.